Okay, let's pray, shall we? Let's just commit this uh, time to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for our time together here this afternoon. Thank you that you're with us, Lord. Thank you that you've, your heart is full for your people this afternoon, Lord. Do you have things you want to impart to us, Lord Jesus? Lord, that your words are powerful and effective, Lord God, when we allow them free reign in our lives. Lord, pray you bless this passage that Gavin's going to share with us now, Lord, and bless Monica as she speaks from your word lord jesus thank you lord the passages from luke 18 verse 15 the little children and jesus people were also bringing babies to jesus for him to place his hands on them when the disciples saw this they rebuked them but jesus called the children to him and said let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of god belongs to such as these Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. The rich and the kingdom of God. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is possible with man is possible, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we have to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. We're looking um, today at the kingdom of God, the young and the old, the rich and the poor. Some time ago, I was listening to a radio broadcast. It was a quiz show and... um, The person asks the questions, and there's a panel of people to answer them. And the question on this occasion was, what can be done to improve the church? Okay, what can be done to improve the church? Now, the people answering the questions were not a group of church leaders who might want to fill the pews, not not a group of people from outside the church being asked, what would make you want to come to church? Wasn't that? The reason for the question was to get a laugh, okay, to get a laugh. This was the question, what could be done to improve the church? So the man answering the question said this, what they should do, churches should have a door that's three foot high, okay, only three foot high, and that's the only door. Um, That way, children can get in without any problem, Adults would have to stoop down or go on their hands and knees to get in, and women with fancy hats would have their hats knocked off. (laughs) He got his laugh. But things said in jest often have a little bit of truth in them. And I thought about this, 
And the word of God says that God brings down the proud and he lifts up the humble. And I think Jesus would, would, be approved, would have approved of the thinking behind this uh, because he welcomes children. He calls them to come to him. The kingdom of God, he says, belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And if you don't come like a small child, you aren't going to enter it. You won't get in. So let's consider some of the characteristics of children that Jesus is thinking about here. They are powerless, defenseless, they have no personal resources, and they are dependent on other people. They can't do anything for themselves. They need people to do everything for them. They need looking after. They're not aware of danger. Who would like to be like that? Not many of us. Not many of us. Interesting, isn't it, that as soon as we possibly can, we want to have control. We want to have stuff. We want to be independent. But Jesus says we need to be like children. When I was four years old, I said to my mum, this is my bid for independence, I want to go on the bus by myself. I was four years old. Well, my mum, she thought it was a good thing to foster independence. I think she came to regret that later, (laughs) But, but she did. And so she took me to the beginning of a bus route. Um, now, we lived in London, so there were plenty of buses. So, beginning of the bus route, and she said to the conductor on the buses in those days, we had a driver and a conductor, she said to the conductor, she's getting off at the next stop. So, and then she ran with my little sister in the buggy to the next stop, so she was there when the bus and I arrived. So, I had my way. <laughs> I got my independence, sort of, age four. But we like that. We want to be independent. But that's not always a good thing. However, if you find yourself in a situation where you are or you feel powerless, where you feel at the mercy of other people's wishes when you don't have enough resources for yourself or for other people around you, be thankful because you're coming like a child and access to the kingdom of God is yours. Go to our Heavenly Father, the one, the one who has all the resources of heaven, the one who can change situations, the one who can give us strength to get through. The kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of the world. Napoleon Bonaparte, there's a film about him, I understand. The Napoleon Bonaparte, he, he did this. He declared that he was emperor of France. He wasn't elected. He declared himself emperor of France. And he went on to conquer half of Europe and add it to his kingdom. Later on, He was in exile on the island of Santolina. When he was approaching his death, he said this. 
Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself have all founded kingdoms, empires. But what did we rest the creation of our genius upon? Upon power, upon force. He was not a humble man. Then he continued, Jesus Christ alone founded his kingdom on love. And at this moment, millions of people would willingly die for him. Napoleon Bonaparte had a glimpse of the kingdom of God, but he didn't enter it. I go to a cafe near where I live from time to time. Um, It's the kind of cafe where people talk to each other. It's quite friendly. You can join in with what people are saying. So on this occasion, uh, the people on the next table to me were discussing the brevity of life, how short life is. And I was wondering whether I should join in the conversation or whether I should just eat my breakfast. But the man over there leaned forward and said to me, "Um, I'm sorry about the morbid conversation. So I said, I don't think it's morbid. Because the Bible says that we don't even know what will happen tomorrow. And he said, oh, yes, yes, you're quite right, you're quite right. He went, they went on with their conversation, I ate my breakfast. Then as I was leaving, I said goodbye. And I said, um, maybe see you again next week. And he said to me, if we're still here. And I said, if I am not here, I'm going to be in a better place. And he said, and he said, if you are in that better place, send me the lottery numbers. (laughs) The lottery numbers are not part of the kingdom of God. They're part of the kingdom of the world. But another thing said in jest, revealing what's in the heart. The rich ruler, the rich ruler is the opposite of a child. He is wealthy, he is powerful, he is independent. But he came to Jesus with a genuine question. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now Jesus could have answered in many ways. He could have said, could have said, you must be born again. He said that to Nicodemus. He could have said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He could have said, he could have said, this is eternal life to know God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. He didn't say that. He met the man where he was. The man had asked, what must I do? And Jesus answered with things to do, with the commandments. And he picked these ones that are to do with our relationship with people. Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie, honour your father and mother. The rich ruler was happy with this. He was familiar with the commandments. It was safe ground for him. And he said, I've I've, um, kept all those since I was young. So why did he ask the question in the first place? Perhaps he felt that there was something missing in his life. And perhaps, as Jesus continued the conversation, 
Jesus was thinking about the other commandments, the ones that are to do with God, the ones that say, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make any idols. Because he said he gives the man a challenge, a promise, and an offer. Okay? A challenge, sell everything you have, give your money to the poor. The promise, you will have treasure in heaven. The offer, come and follow me. Now this man at that point, he could have been one of the disciples. He could have been like Peter and the others who'd given things up and come and follow Jesus. But he couldn't do it. He was a man of great wealth. So he went away sad because he was heavily invested in the kingdom where money gets you places, where it smooths the way where it brings security and status. Money, in fact, was his God. His problem was the stuff that he had made him feel secure, important, and independent. Our problem is that often money, or power, or status, makes us feel secure, important, or independent. Tim Keller, who's a New York pastor and writer, um, he said this, wealth is a heady intoxicant because it provides a counterfeit that deceives a person into thinking they don't need God. Okay, they don't need God. This is an issue of the heart. It's not money in itself that's, that's the problem. It's what it, what it does for me, what it provides for me. So the answer is not to give away a bit of money or to give away more money. If I, if I hold on to things because I need it for my security, I, I need really to find my security in God. I need to find that he alone will provide that. If I keep my money because it, it makes me feel important, it gives me a sense of identity, I need to find my identity in Christ and in him alone. I need to know what God thinks of me and think more about that than what other people think about me. If money makes me feel independent, it's an illusion. So the fact that I can use my money to buy things and to have things brought to me and have people do things for me doesn't make me independent. It makes me actually more dependent on a whole host of other people who are doing all those things for me. Little children know that their parents will provide for them. They know that their parents will keep them from danger. They know that they will be there for them. Won't our Heavenly Father do much more much, much more than our earthly parents to look after us, to provide for us. God can change our hearts. God can change our hearts. When he does this, I can begin to give with a cheerful heart instead of with a grudging, reluctant one. Because Jesus perfectly provides our identity and our security. Whereas money 
only provides that imperfectly. Who then can be saved? The people listening were astounded. It was a common belief that wealth was a reward for having lived a good life. Perhaps the rich ruler thought that, but Jesus challenges this thinking. He says, how hard it is, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's harder than from a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And then he also says, what, but what is impossible to people is possible to God. In the following chapter, chapter 19 of Luke, we read the story about Zacchaeus. Now, he was a rich man, but when he met Jesus, he reacted in a very different way. When Zacchaeus met Jesus, he spontaneously gave away a lot of his wealth, showing that what is impossible for people is possible for God. I looked up this verse in different translations, this one, what is impossible for people is possible to God. And most of them are are similar, most of them are similar, but there's one or two which have a slightly different um, slant. And I found this one, which I, I, I looked at, I had to look at it more than once, was it says, it says, humanly speaking, no one. I thought, oh, what was the question? I was a bit confused here. What was the question? Oh, yes, the question is, who then can be saved? Humanly speaking, no one. Or perhaps, who on earth can be saved? Humanly speaking, no one. But all things are possible to God. So this is telling us that it's not just hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of God, It's hard for everybody. It's hard for everybody. Suddenly, everyone around Jesus is included in this. So they're no longer thinking about the rich person and the camel and the needles. They're thinking about themselves. If a rich person can't be saved, how can I be saved? What can we do? Maybe when you were listening, you thought, well, I'm not rich, so this doesn't apply to me but it applies to everybody, because we need to come like children. We need to set aside those things that make us feel feel secure, important, and independent, so that we can get through the door that's only three foot high. Matthew 5.3 says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. I come to Jesus realizing my need of him. I don't come telling him what I've done, the good things. I don't do that. I come in my need. I come because I know I need forgiveness and I need his life. And these things are a gift of his grace. It's soon going to be Christmas. Imagine I am given a gift. A friend gives me a wonderful gift. And I say to them, well, actually, it's okay, because I've got all these. I've got all these gifts. That one, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? Be terrible. To reject God's gift is like that. Terrible. In fact, it's worse. It's worse than, than rejecting a friend's gift, because a friend's gift, however however wonderful, is a temporary thing. 
or a temporary pleasure. Whereas the gift of God is complete and perfect now and in the future. To live like this, powerless, without resources and not independent, is hard. We don't like it very much. But this is the way. Jesus says this is the way to enter, to come into the kingdom of God. We can't do it, but there is one who has already done it. Jesus. Jesus set aside the glory of heaven. All its wealth, all its power, his high position, and he did that for us. He came not to a palace, but to a stable. At his trial, at the end of his life, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. My followers, if it was, my followers would fight. Pilate, the Roman governor, who was trying Jesus, said, I find no basis for a charge against this man. Three times. I find no basis for a charge against this man. I find no basis for a charge against this man. But he condemned him to death anyway, because his kingdom was a kingdom of power getting it and keeping it. Jesus died for us so that we could take hold by faith of the abundance of heaven and the position and the identity that he gives us. As I do this, as I start to do this, I find the other things, money, power, status, these become less important. His is a kingdom which will last forever. All other kingdoms have fallen or will fall, but his kingdom will never end. His kingdom lasts forever. Not even death defeats it, because Jesus has conquered death itself. So why? Why settle for substitutes, for counterfeits, when we can have the real thing? Why run after monopoly money when the riches of heaven is ours? The kingdom of God, the rich cannot buy it. The poverty of the poor is no barrier. A degree from a prestigious university does not guarantee a place. The one who left school with no qualifications is not excluded. We come like children, by faith, in what Jesus has done, not what we have done or not done. We come only by his amazing grace. Let's stand. Let's think for a moment about what God has said. It may be that God spoke to you at the beginning of the meeting, in the songs, in the testimony. Maybe God has spoken through what's been read and spoken here. Whatever God has spoken to you, hold on to it.
If you are in a position, if you feel powerless, if you feel defenseless, if you feel in need, come to the one who has power to change things. The one who can alter our situations, the one who meets our needs. Come to him today. If you feel that, that you are, are putting money or power or your status before God, that you're making those things, your security, your identity, and your independence, ask God what you can do about this. Ask God what he wants you to do. And also ask him to change your heart so that you can. Who on earth can be saved? Humanly speaking, no one. But God, we thank you because with you all things are possible. Lord, as we come to you this, this morning, this afternoon even, as we come to you this afternoon, Lord, we come in need. We come in need of your mercy, of your grace, of your forgiveness. Lord, thank you that the way is open for us. Thank you that you've opened the way because of the death of Jesus. We praise you. We thank you. Help us to come in the way that you you want, Lord, like little children in that sort of position. Thank you. Why don't we spend some time praying? Um, if you want to pray with the person next to you, or come and find someone here to pray with let's do that let's let's think about what god has said and pray that god makes these things real real to us thanks so much monica so a very weighty message uh, this afternoon. Um, one that it would be good to, as Monica suggested, you know, not not rush away and get on with our day, but stop and ponder and pray uh, together. Uh, was a, a, a talk a while ago, and um, the person quoted these verses from Isaiah 55: "Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters." And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And this person posed the question, what is the currency of heaven? If you can't buy stuff in heaven, you know, if money's no good in heaven, what's, what's the currency? Uh, and um, we, uh, those listening sort of threw a few ideas into the pot, none of which were right. And he said the currency is need. We come to God with our need. That's the currency. That's what unlocks heaven uh, and um, yeah we need him don't we and he's made this incredible provision uh, and his ways are bigger and better than our ways 
Um, yeah, so let's pray. Let's just get into twos and threes. Or if you'd like someone, if there's something a bit deeper you want someone to pray with, then uh, Monica or Vicky or myself are uh, happy to, um, to pray with you. So uh, let's, let's just spend some time praying together.